0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Epic. If you are new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today, we're actually ending a series that we've been in together over the past number of weeks called Wake Up. And we've been exploring something that the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. So listen to this. He was speaking to a church in Rome when he, he said this. He said, wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So we've been exploring that, again, like I said, over the past number of weeks. And in week one of this series, we explored what it means for us to wake up to salvation. And we learned together that salvation is something that we do when we start a relationship with God by putting our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that our relationship with him is based on what he has done for us, not what we do for him. And then in week two, we talked about waking up to fasting and prayer. So two ancient spiritual disciplines that have been around for a very long time. And then this past week, we engaged a church-wide fast and time of praying together. And I'm curious, how many of you had a great experience as you walked through that? How many of you had a challenging experience as you walk through that? Okay, so more hands on the challenging part. So fasting is a great experience, even when it's challenging. And if you think about how we grow spiritually, often we grow spiritually through times of challenge and through times of struggle. And fasting kind of facilitates both of those things. And so it creates an opportunity for us to rely on God and put him first in our lives, knowing that he's going to take care of everything else. So I hope that you've had a really great experience, even if it was a really challenging experience. Now, tonight we're going to end our fast together through a worship and communion service here at 6 p.m., So I encourage you to come back tonight and be a part of that with us. If you're watching online and if you live local, we would love to have you here as well for that as we officially end our time of fasting together. In week three and week four of this series, we talked about waking up to spiritual warfare. And I don't know if you've experienced any spiritual warfare as we talked about that, but let me tell you what's happened in my life over this past week. So last Sunday... As I was preaching on spiritual warfare, my father-in-law had a stroke, ended up in the hospital for a week, is now in rehab. My daughter, who's 32 weeks pregnant with her third child, ended up in the hospital two times with serious concerns about her and the baby, and she's still in the hospital uh, waiting for final results and hopefully a chance to come home today or tomorrow. So after this past week, I've decided I'm not teaching on spiritual warfare any longer. It's just way too complicated for me. And obviously, I'm joking. But it was almost as if God said, "Okay, Trent, I'm going to put you to the test. You talked a lot about wearing my armor as you engaged spiritual battles. So are you really wearing my armor? And about halfway through the week, I realized I had about half of the armor on. And I needed to put on the other half of the armor. And I thought, like, this week is falling apart. Oh, maybe it's spiritual warfare. Like, maybe I should pray. Maybe I should engage this in that fashion. And as I did that, I had a different perspective as I walked through that. So that's what this past week was like for us. Not sure what it was like for you. But today, we're going to talk about waking up to spiritual growth. And as we get started today in that, I want to give you several disclaimers. And the first disclaimer is this. Today I'm going to talk to those of you who are Christ followers, and I'm going to talk to those of you who aren't yet a Christ follower, because here's the reality. We are all on a spiritual journey. Everybody's on a spiritual journey whether you label it that or not. If you're a Christ follower, at some point, you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you started to grow spiritually. And hopefully, you're still growing spiritually, because if we're not growing spiritually, guess what? We're dying spiritually. So we always need to be investing in our relationship with God. But you started to grow spiritually if you're a Christ follower, so you're still on that journey. If you aren't a Christ follower, there's a really good chance you're searching for something because everyone's searching for something. You may not know what it is. You may not label it as God. You may not label it as faith. You you may not label it as Christianity, but many of us are searching for something, and we don't even really know what it is. And the fact that you may be here on campus or maybe even watching online kind of indicates that you're searching for something faith-based. And so, again, we're all on a, a spiritual journey. And the really cool thing is God accepts all of us and where we're at on our journey. We're all at different parts on our journey. Some of us, again, don't even recognize we're on a spiritual journey, but God accepts all of us, and God wants to move us down that spiritual growth path. He wants us to start a relationship with him, and he wants us to grow a relationship with him. So again, whether you're a Christ follower, not a Christ follower, I'm glad you're here, because I think God has some very unique and specific things to say to each one of us today. Now, another thing I want you to know before I get started is today I'm going to give you a whole lot of information like I have in this series. And like I said a few weeks ago, uh, today's going to feel like taking a sip from a fire hydrant. So hopefully, your lips are puckered up and you're ready to go. And I encourage you to take notes because I'm going to just dump a bunch of information on you about spiritual growth. And I'm going to do that for the first probably three quarters of our message. So I'm going to talk to your head a lot today. And you're going to have a chance to process what I talked to you about logically. But then in the last 25% of our time together, I'm going to talk to your heart. And I'm going to challenge you in how you're applying what we're learning together. Because what we're learning together in spiritual uh, war—not warfare, but spiritual growth and waking up to spiritual growth is so incredibly important to our relationship with God. Here's the reality, one day, you and I are gonna sit down and have a conversation with God about our spiritual growth. Guess whose responsibility it is for us to grow spiritually? It's ours, it's our own. I have a responsibility as a pastor uh, to facilitate teaching that helps people grow spiritually. But my job and pastor's job, church leaders' jobs really are to give you a fork so you can feed yourself spiritually. So, so that's what I try to do every Sunday. And so it's our responsibility to grow spiritually because again, we're gonna sit down and have a conversation with God about our spiritual growth. So I'm gonna challenge you today in how you're applying what we're learning. So if you are ready to be challenged, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ah, I love hearing that, that's exciting. And at the end, let me remind you, you said you were ready. All right, so 15 years ago, when we were planning to start Epic, we had a lot of decisions to make. We had to figure out what kind of mission we were going to have, what our vision was going to be, what our values were going to be, the ministries we were going to be involved in. And we had to figure out what our spiritual growth process was going to be. Because our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And after that, we have the responsibility of helping people grow Spiritually, So we had to spend a lot of time figuring out what that was going to look like. And to do that, we spent a lot of time in the Bible specifically in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we looked at Jesus' life closely, and we watched what Jesus did in his time here on earth. And we saw that Jesus did five things, at least five things, consistently over and over and over again. And out of that, we developed what we call the 5G life. So that is our spiritual growth process that I'm going to walk you through today. And on your way in, you should have been given one of these wristbands. And uh, if you have a wristband, hold it up and let me see it. Great. That is not for shooting at me during the service. That is for wearing on your wrist and reminding you of what we're learning together. Okay. so actually, I have worn one of these for, I think, 13 or 14 years, whenever we came out with these wristbands. And I use it to evaluate how I'm doing in my relationship with God. So often, I'll look down at these G's, and I'll ask myself, hey, how am I doing with that G right now? And if I'm not doing real well, I know I've got some things I need to adjust in my relationship with God. So just a little wristband can help us grow spiritually, because it reminds us of what spiritual growth is all about. So our five G's are these. Our five G's are God, gather, grow, give, and go. And so I'm going to walk you through what this chart looks like for us at Epic. And the first part of that, the first G is the synergy. So that is God. So one of the things that Jesus consistently did in his time here on earth was he spent large amounts of time with his heavenly father. And I find that kind of fascinating to me. So you've got God the Father, you've got God the Son, you've got God the Holy Spirit. So you've got Jesus as God the Son on planet Earth. And what he could have said before leaving heaven to come to Earth for the mission that God the Father had given him, he could have said, Father, I understand the mission clearly. I know what you've asked me to do. I'm supposed to go to earth, live a perfect life, take the sin of the world on my shoulders, die a horrible death, rise again so that people can put their faith and trust in me and live forever. I got it. I'll see you in 33 years. could have easily said that. But Jesus didn't say that. He consistently spent time with his heavenly father. And we've got some great examples of that in the scriptures. So Luke chapter six, verse 12 it says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God, his Father, all night. So One of the reasons that Jesus prayed to his Father all night was because the next day, he was going to pick his 12 closest disciples. So he had a big decision to make. And Jesus spent the night before, all night long, praying to his Heavenly Father about that decision. Now, here's what we need to understand about that. It wasn't as if Jesus went to his father and said, listen, I have no idea who to pick. We don't have a lot of good choices down here on earth, Lord, so I'm not sure. So you got to help me. So Jesus knew exactly who needed to be chosen, but he spent large amounts of time that night getting his father's input on that important decision. So if you need to make a decision. Not if, but when you and I need to make decisions. A great habit is to spend large amounts of time talking to our Heavenly Father and asking Him what He wants us to do. James chapter 1 says, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him and He will gladly tell you. But here's a problem that I have. I have a problem with talking with God. I like to talk God. So I like to tell him everything I think he should do and the time frame that I think he should do it in. But Jesus didn't model that. Jesus modeled a conversation with God that involved talking and listening. And so I'm not great at listening to God. I'm great at talking at God. But we've got to learn to listen to God because that's when God speaks to us and gives us the wisdom that we desperately need. So that's one example of Jesus spending time with his heavenly father. Luke chapter 5 gives us another time when Jesus did that. And it's an interesting time that, that he did it here because this is when his fame was growing quickly. So he'd been healing people and he told some people, hey, don't go tell people what I've done for you, which is an interesting thing. Um, You know, if if you had the ability to heal people, would you say, hey, here's my card, go tell everybody. Uh, You know, here's my social media account. Please let everybody know what I've just done. But Jesus said, hey, don't go tell everybody. But Luke 5.15 says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. So let's put ourselves in Jesus' sandals for just a moment, okay? So if you wanna be a first century influencer like Jesus was, and you had thousands of people following you literally, not just on social media, but literally following you, what would you do in that situation? If it were me, I probably would hire a few people to help me manage my growing fame. Uh, I might try to build my brand and expand my market to reach more people. i try to meet more influential people and, and hope that their influence could help me expand my influence to other people. I would work long hours and do everything I could to build my kingdom. But Jesus often withdrew from people, withdrew from the moment where they were saying, we want you to be our king. Jesus often walked away from those opportunities. He said, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. And he walked away, and he spent time with God the Father. And it, it's as if Jesus knew that he would pour out to other people whatever his relationship with his heavenly father looked like. And so what Jesus did was he centered his life on his heavenly father. If you think about how we interact with other people, if you're a Christ follower and you think about the, the ways that we have to serve other people or the opportunities that we get to serve other people, sometimes we serve out of the abundance of our relationship with God. Other times we give people the leftovers because we haven't been spending time with our heavenly father. We haven't been closely connected with him. So we pour out of our resources, not his resources. And I think that's why Jesus modeled for us what it looks like for us to spend large amounts of time with our heavenly father. Another thing that Jesus did was that he gathered people. And as Jesus gathered people, he gathered people in synagogues. He gathered people in the countryside. He gathered people everywhere. And as he gathered them, he taught them how to live in a real relationship with him, with others, and his Heavenly Father. And I think that's why it's so important for us to gather together in this context and even gather online with a local church to learn the teachings of Jesus, how to apply them, and how to be the church. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. He says, "'Let us hold tightly without wavering "'to the hope that we affirm, "'for God can be trusted to keep his promise. "'And let us think of ways to motivate one another "'to acts of love and good works, "'and let us not neglect our meeting together "'as some people do, "'but encourage one another, especially now, "'that the day of his return is drawing near.'" So meeting together as the church is so important for us. It's, it's how we encourage each other. It's how we support each other. It's how we love each other. It's how we serve each other. It's how we join together to reach more people in our community for Christ. You know There are so many aspects of the teachings of Jesus that cannot be applied by ourselves, that need to be applied in the context of other people, and us gathering together as the body of Christ helps us learn those things and helps us apply those things. Now I wanna say a few things about gathering that just might sound offensive, but I don't mean them to be offensive. So are you ready to hear something that sounds offensive but doesn't mean to be offensive? Okay, so here you go. I've got a few thoughts for us about gathering. The first is this, I rarely see people who are spiritually mature and not deeply connected with a local body of believers. I grew up in church world, and I've seen a lot of folks who have claimed to be spiritually mature and not plugged in deeply into a body of Christ. And so in those moments, what I know is is that person or those people, they know a lot about the Bible, but there's a significant portion of it that they are not applying to themselves. Because the local church is the hope of the world. And Jesus views us as his bride that he died for. So we're talking about big C church, global, and small C church, local. So being a part of a local body of believers is a key to spiritual growth. So that's my first offensive thought, but not supposed to be offensive. Next one, you might find more offensive, I'm not sure. Church shopping is good, church hopping is bad. The reality is we all have to shop for a church. So if you grow up in a church home uh, and you are in a home and then you move out on your own, you got to find your own church. You got to do some church shopping. If you move from one area to another, you got to do some church shopping. If God calls you away from a church to another church, you got to do a little church shopping. Some of you are doing that right now. and, And that's a great thing. We all should. I've done that for many years in my life. But church hopping is bad. When we hop from one church to another to another and we're not deeply connected within the body of Christ, we actually stunt our spiritual growth. We might continue to grow in information, but we're not growing in application of that with a local body of believers who we consistently pour into and who consistently pour into us. So if you're church shopping, I get it. And I pray for you on that journey. That is hard. I don't wish that on anybody. Finding a church home is so hard. It's so hard. And sometimes you have no idea of what church you should be a part of until you go experience it for a a number of weeks or maybe even several months. And if you're in that spot, I get it. But if you've been hopping from church to church for the past few years, my encouragement to you is stop doing that. Find a church home and plug into that church home and give out of what God has given you and allow that church family to pour into you of what God has given them as well. That will help you grow spiritually. Another thing is sporadic church attendance keeps us from growing spiritually. So when we attend occasionally, We only grow so much. But when we attend consistently, that helps us grow consistently. Again and again, as we stay plugged into a series or or we're talking about that series with our family or with our small group, that's the kind of stuff that helps us grow significantly. And if we do it occasionally, we're not going to grow as fast or to the level that I think God wants us to grow. So gathering as a local church is critical to Our spiritual growth. All right, a third thing that Jesus did was he helped people grow. So as he gathered people, he helped them to grow. And the context that Jesus often did that was in the context of a group. So Jesus often put people together in group life, and he challenged them to learn to live in community with each other and with his heavenly father. And Jesus had different groups of followers. And and you may know this or you may not know this. Jesus had a group of 120 disciples. He had a group of 70 disciples. He had a group of 12 disciples that most of us are familiar with. And even out of that, he had a group of three disciples, his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he did unique things with Peter, James, and John that he didn't do with the 12. He did unique things with the 12 that he didn't do with the 70. He did unique things with the 70 that he didn't do with the 120. So again, Jesus gathered people in the context of group life so that they could grow in community with each other and with him. So listen to what the early New Testament church did shortly after Jesus' resurrection. Acts 2.46 says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the early church, they met in the temple for learning the teachings of Jesus and how to be the church. That's like us meeting at church, like right now. And then they met in homes to be in community with each other, to share meals with each other, to meet each other's needs, to care for each other, to pray for each other, to serve each other in that context. And so we all need to be connected, again, with a, not just a local body of believers, but a small group that we can be a part of. So here's what that looks like for us at Epic. So we believe that we grow best in groups. We weren't designed to do life alone. We were designed to do life interdependently with other people, like we are interdependent with God. We've got several different group opportunities. Here at Epic, we have what we call growth groups, and they're just short-term groups that help us begin to grow spiritually and begin to experience community with other Christ followers or other people who are on a spiritual journey. Our first group is called Starting Point, and that's for people who are new to faith, exploring faith, returning to faith, to hear the overarching story of God found in the Bible, and it's an epic story, and we learn where our place is in that story through starting point. So if you've not taken starting point, I highly recommend you take that. We, we teach it three times a year. We've got groups like 40 days in the word and 40 days in prayer. And this is how we learn to listen to God. This is how we learn to talk to God. We've got a group called Financial Peace that helps us understand how to manage our finances in a way that honors God. We've got a parenting growth group, a marriage growth group, an evangelism growth group for how to share our faith with other people. Most of these groups happen on Sunday morning during one of our three services. And so I encourage you, if you've not taken one of these groups, I encourage you to do that because that can help you grow spiritually. Another type of group that we offer is what we call community groups. And this is where we want everybody to be connected into. These are longer term groups that are designed to help us grow spiritually and to dive into the deeper end of the community pool and learn to do life together. So we have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, young adult groups, student groups, children groups. You can tell that group life is a big deal for us. We want everybody connected in a small group. Now, if you're thinking like I did about 26, 27 years ago, I'm not doing a group. I'm not going to go sit with other people I don't know and tell them my stuff that they don't need to know. I get that. About 26, 27 years ago, my wife and I were sitting just like you, listening to a pastor challenge us to get into a small group. And I said to my wife, we're not doing that. And she said, we're going to a couples group this Thursday night. (laughs) I said, oh, great, joy. So at the end of that couples group, we drove home, and I said to my wife, you talked way too much about us tonight to a bunch of people who don't know anything about us and don't need to know anything about us, so please don't talk about us anymore to those people. And I'm not all that influential because we went back, and she talked more about us to those people. So that began a journey for me of group life. For the past 20 plus years, Groups have been a significant part of how I've grown spiritually. I've been in men's groups, I've been in couples' groups, and I go back and forth between different seasons of my life. Right now, I'm in a men's group, and that group is helping me grow spiritually. As we every time we get together, we're reading scripture and Uh, we kind of joke in the group that we might make it through one Bible verse in in one conversation and that's okay because the point of our group is not to get through the Bible, the point is to get the Bible through us and so we slowly go through the Bible and we challenge each other on how to apply that to our lives. We all need that. We all need that in our lives so we need you, I challenge you to be a part of group life here at EPIC. All right, I'm going to pause for just a second. Is everybody still with me? Are you still okay? You still tracking? You still puckered up? Okay, a lot of information is coming. We're going to transition here in just a minute. We're going to wrap up. A fourth thing that Jesus did consistently was he would give. So Jesus gave. All the time. He gave of his time, his talents, and his treasures to serve other people. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's interesting to me because Jesus easily could have said, hey, I'm God the Son, I'm here. I think you should serve me. You should give to me. But Jesus didn't do that. He gave his life as a ransom for us so that we could have eternal life. And that's similar to what he's asking us to do for others. And and God has given all of us time, talents, and treasures so that we can serve other people with those things and advance his kingdom and his purposes in the world. And if you think about the time that we have all been given, we've all been given the exact same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. We've all been given that. But we don't all use our time the same way. Sometimes, some of us, many of us, myself included, we fill up our time with so many things that we convince ourselves we don't have any time to serve anybody else because we got so much to do. And I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I think that on occasion that I've got so much on my plate I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to serve someone else. But serving someone else by giving them our time is the most valuable thing that we can ever give somebody. We can't make any more time. Time is more valuable than money. Time is more valuable than possessions. So when we give somebody our time, we're giving them our attention and our presence. Those are valuable things that Jesus gave everybody. Here's the thing that Jesus never did. Jesus never spent time with people looking at them to serve them, thinking, oh, I need to be somewhere else. I have no idea what this person is talking about. I've tuned him out five minutes ago, but I'm thinking about the sermon I'm about to preach, you know, two weeks from now. We do that. Jesus never did that. He was fully present with everybody he spent time with. That's what he's asking us to do, be fully present with people and give them our time. When it comes to our talents, We're all given different talents, different skills, different experiences to help other people. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, 6, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If you've been given the uh, leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Again, our time, our skills, our experiences aren't for our benefit. They're for the benefit of other people. And we actually grow spiritually when we use our talents to serve other people. So in addition to time and talents, God has also given us treasures, which are money and resources that we use for living. And even though we've all been given different amounts of treasure, God expects that we use our treasures to help other people and advance his kingdom. But if we're going to do that, we have to change how we view our treasures, how we view our money, and how we view our resources. Listen to what. Psalms 24.1 says, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. So if you're a Christ follower, do you really believe that? Do you believe that everything is God's? Like everything really is his and it's just on loan to us. If that's true or since that's true, then God expects for us to be good managers or good stewards of the resources that he has entrusted to us. Again, he's entrusted each of us time, talents, and treasures, and he wants us to use those things to advance his kingdom and his purposes, not our kingdom, not our purposes. So think about it in this way. You've worked hard for for what you have. You've worked hard for the money that you have or the money that you want to have. And uh, you have some plans, I think, with that money. Maybe when you retire, you have some specific things that you want to do with those resources. And what we typically do when we have a little bit of cash that we want to save for later is there's times that we give it to a financial planner. And when we give it to a financial planner, what do we expect that planner to do with our resources? Make more of it and manage it well. Be a good steward of our resources. So I have a financial planner. And what I expect of my financial planner is that he does a good job of using my resources to advance the things that I want to do, not the things that he wants to do. I do not expect that my financial planner says, thank you, Trent, for giving me this money that I can spend on myself. I got a lot of fun things I want to do with your money. And I'll tell you about it uh, one day. It'll be great. I'll send you a newsletter on all the fun I did with your money. We don't expect a financial planner to do that. In the same way, God expects that we take really good care of the resources that he has given us. And again, we use them to advance his kingdom, not our kingdom. But in order for that to happen, we have to change how we view money and stuff. If we view it like this, it's mine We'll never be able to advance God's kingdom the way that he wants, and we'll never be able to grow spiritually the way that God desires. But if we live like this, with the resources that God has given us, God can put more in our hands when he wants to, and he can use what's in our hands to advance his kingdom and his purposes in someone else's life anytime he needs to. This is how we need to live, with our resources, because they're God's. A fifth thing that Jesus did so well, modeled for us, was to go to go into all the world and tell people about how to, how to have a relationship with him and with others. And he's, it says in Matthew 28, 18, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Jesus says in Acts 1-8, says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if Jesus was here today speaking to us, he would say, you'll be my witnesses in Flagler County, in Florida, in the United States, and throughout the world. And that's what he wants for us to do with our lives. One of the primary purposes that we have is to go into the world to tell people about Jesus. So here's what it looks like for us at Epic to do that. We have many opportunities for us to engage our community locally. We've got things like 3G Saturday and 3G Sunday, where we take three of our Gs, gather, go, and give, and we put them together to go out and serve our local community. We've got local partners that we work with, like Grace Community Food Pantry and Habitat for Humanity. We started an adopt-a-school program for the public schools in our community. You could be a part of that. We've got all kinds of opportunities for us to serve our local community. We've got opportunities to serve our national community community as well through national missions. We partner with an organization called Samaritan's Purse, and we do disaster relief in the southeastern part of the United States. And we're looking into some other opportunities that we could bring to our church family to serve nationally as well. And then we have international opportunities. The longest partnership that we've had internationally is in Guatemala. We've been going to Guatemala for 14 years now. And we typically take two or three trips a year Uh, We started a partnership in Ukraine in 2016. We went there several times. And obviously right now, there's a real challenge going on in Ukraine with the war with Russia. But we still have that partnership going on. We're still supporting them. It's in different ways right now, but we're still supporting them. And one of the things I challenge you to do is go locally, is go nationally, and go internationally. My first international mission trip was when I was a punk 15-year-old kid. And I know you're looking at me thinking, I can't imagine him being a punk 15-year-old kid. I was a punk 15-year-old kid. I spent a summer in Panama, in the jungles of Panama, learning with missionaries how to lead people to Jesus who've never heard about Jesus before. And I got to tell you, that was one of the best experiences I've had growing spiritually. Why? Because I came home wrecked. When I came home, my room looked different. The stuff that I thought I wanted looked different. The stuff that I had looked different. When I experienced the world and how many people live differently in the world, it broke me. And I came home different. And one of the reasons that we do international missions here is because God tells us to go into the world. He says, go locally, go nationally, go internationally. And when we go and serve other people, often God does something inside of us. And we find that we often get more out of it than we feel like we've ever given. And I'm curious, of those of you who've gone on one of our international mission trips, how many of you would say you felt like you received way more than you ever gave? Anybody? Okay, you see a number of people that say that. And if, if you haven't gone on one of our international trips, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't gone on a national trip, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't gone locally, I encourage you to do that as well. Because that's how God changes us and changes other people. All right, that brings us back full circle, brings us back to our starting point, our relationship with God. And we designed this as a circle because we were never designed to just do this one time, just go one lap around the track and go like, I did it. Uh, You know, I started a relationship with God. I I gathered with a, a church family. I started growing in a small group. I gave of some of my time, talents, and treasures. I went to tell one person about Jesus, and I'm done. Like, I am like Jesus now. Jesus, you can come back and take me home. We're not designed to do that. We're designed to run this track over and over and over and over again. The reality is we will never arrive, spiritually speaking, until we're with Jesus. We'll never get to the spot that we've grown enough. A really good friend of mine says that we never graduate spiritually spiritually. You will always be doing coursework, but you'll never get to a spot where you can go, hey, I can hang the diploma on the wall. I'm all done. Don't have to do any more coursework. Because when we think that, guess what God does? He comes back into our world like he did this past week for me and said, no, Trent, there's still more things you got to learn. You're a little too dependent on yourself. You got to be dependent on me again. So we are always in that process of growing spiritually. That is our 5G life here at Epic. That's what our spiritual growth process looks like. So I've talked a lot to your head, given you a lot of information. Now I'm going to transition. I'm going to talk to your heart for a minute. I'm going to challenge you in your relationship with God and how you're applying this. And again, I, I really encourage you to consider where you're at on your relationship with God with spiritual growth, because we're going to have a conversation one day with God. And he's going to ask us, hey, tell me about your spiritual growth. Tell me about the things that you chose to do, the things that you chose not to do. Again, we'll be judged based on our actions, not our intentions. And I have a lot of good intentions when it comes to spiritual growth. God's not gonna ask me about my intentions. He's gonna ask me about my actions. So really think about this as I ask you these questions. If you're a Christ follower, is your life centered on God? Like, is it really centered on God? Do you consistently pull away from the world and the busyness of life to spend time with God like Jesus did? Do you spend regular time talking with God, listening to God, worshiping God, trying to become a little bit more like Jesus? Is God the center of your life or is he just a piece of your life? God doesn't want to be a piece of our lives. You know, sometimes we divide our lives up into, you know, Pie, pieces of a pie, and you know, God, you get this piece, and work gets this piece, and sleep gets this piece, and family gets this piece. God says, no, like, I'm the whole pie. Like, I want to be the whole pie in your life. I want to be with you everywhere you go and everything you do. I don't want to just be a small sliver. So is your life centered on God, like Jesus was? If you aren't a Christ follower yet, you could become one. Like This could be the day that you're on this spiritual journey and you step into a relationship with the creator of the world and be radically transformed by him. And to do that, you have to experience what Jesus said in John chapter three, this thing called a spiritual rebirth. Jesus said that physical things are born physically, but spiritual things have a spiritual birth. And to have a spiritual birth, we have to tell God we need him We have to wake up spiritually and say like, I realize I need you. I can't do this life all by myself. Like I mess things up. So God, I need you and I believe you, Jesus, you're the savior of the world. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. So if you've never made that decision before, either on campus or online, you could make that decision right now. You could tune me out for the rest of the service and have a conversation with the creator of the universe and start a spiritual journey and a spiritual path with him. I encourage you to do that. If you want to have a deeper conversation about that after the service, I encourage you to come find me in the lobby and I've got a free resource that can help you grow spiritually if you're interested in that. When it comes to gathering, do you see church attendance and church involvement as being critical to your spiritual growth? Is that a priority in your life? Or is it something that you do when you have extra time? Is it something that you do when maybe it's not raining outside? It's probably raining outside right now, isn't it? Or hey, it's really sunny and it's an opportunity to go to the beach. Is church attendance and involvement a priority for you because it matters to your spiritual growth? Or is it something that you do occasionally? Are you church shopping? If you are, I get it keep shopping. But when you find one, plug in. Don't keep hopping. If you keep hopping, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your spiritual growth. And I truly believe that we'll have a conversation with God about that. About, hey, tell me why you hopped a lot. Tell me why you didn't land in one place and become a contributor there and help that church grow to fulfill the, the vision that I've given them. Are you growing spiritually with a small group of Christ followers who pray with you, pray for you, love you, and challenge you to become more like Jesus? If you're not connected with a small group of Christ followers, you're not going to grow to the level that God desires for you to grow. We need other people for that. And I encourage you, if you're not in a group, stop by our group's table before you leave to get connected in a group. Are you using the time, talents, and treasures that God has given you for his purposes? Or are you using those things for your purposes? Are you building his kingdom? Are you building your kingdom? Finally, are you going everywhere to tell everyone about Jesus? Do you see that when you go locally that there are thousands of opportunities that you have to tell people about Jesus and show people Jesus with your life? Do you feel that way when you go on a trip in our state or in our nation? Do you feel that, hey, you're still representing Christ to the world? And have you gone internationally, not just for a vacation? Have you gone internationally to serve a group of people that are in desperate need of seeing Jesus lived out before them? Have you gone internationally? If you haven't done those things, I challenge you to do those and engage those as we talk about them. We've got some opportunities coming up in the near future for that. I encourage you to engage those as they come. So where are you at on your spiritual journey? I encourage you to evaluate the five G's that we've talked about. And during this final song, just have a conversation with God about which G you need to focus on. And if you need to remember what they are, just look down at your wristband and say, God, how am I doing with you? How am I doing with gathering with the church family? How am I doing growing with a small group of other Christ followers? How am I doing giving them my time, talents, and treasures? How am I doing going? To tell people about you everywhere I go. So if you would, stand with me. We're gonna pray together. We're gonna sing. And I, again, I encourage you to evaluate where you're at on your spiritual journey. So God, I thank you for the tools that you give us to help us grow spiritually. And the goal that you have for every Christ follower is that we become more like Jesus every day. And we're always on this journey with you. It's a journey uh, that's called sanctification, the process of growing in our relationship with you. And God, we understand the reality of this, but sometimes we struggle with it. The reality is, if we're not growing with you, we're dying spiritually. We, we can't count on something that we did a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and think that we're gonna keep growing spiritually. We've gotta keep engaging this spiritual process that you put out in front of us. We gotta keep doing things that Jesus, you modeled for us. So speak powerfully today to us about which G we need to focus on. What is that thing that we're not doing so great at? And we need to focus on that to strengthen our relationship with you. Lord, teach us that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.